0: Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. We're going on a journey through the symbolic imagery of each of the 78 tarot cards. If you use a Rider-Waite-Smith deck, or a Thoth deck, or Mel's own Tabula Mundi deck, you've come to the right place. We love making this podcast, and we hope you love listening to it. But you should also know that Fortune's Wheelhouse is more than the sound of our voices. We have a home on the web at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. Come and visit us there so you can experience the other part of this conversation, where we provide hundreds of written articles and explanations for even the most obscure concepts you'll hear on the show. If you sign up to be our patron at even the $1 level, you'll instantly gain access to all that information, which can be found nowhere else. And if you become a patron at the $3 level or higher, you'll get a chance to win our giveaways, like Brian, who just won last week's giveaway. Congratulations, Brian. This week we're talking about the Six of Cups, the Lord of Pleasure, which is also associated with the major arcana Death and the Sun. Therefore, for this week's giveaway, we have on offer a stylin' Fortune's Wheelhouse tote bag, black as death, with the sunny orange wheel logo in the center. Or you can choose an 8x10 print of Mel's sun card from Tabula Mundi, or her gorgeous death card. It's up to you. What's your pleasure? In the meantime, we've got something to ask you. If you're loving Fortune's Wheelhouse and the fantastically geeky world of tarot we bring you each week, would you leave us a review on iTunes? You can write a couple sentences about why you dig this podcast, or you can just drop us five stars. We love that too. In podcasting, ratings and reviews are the currency of the realm. Even if you're not ready to become a patron, leaving a review is something free you can do, which really helps us and also helps other people find the show. Being a practitioner of the esoteric arts can be a lonely business, so help us find the others and build our community. You will pry our tarot cards out of our cold, dead hands. (laughs) Take that, mainstream. If you're on Facebook, you can also connect with other listeners at Fortune's Wheelhouse Academy, which is a page moderated by astral superheroes Darren, Naya, and Maria. Even now, over 150 listeners are sharing their love of esoteric tarot, and even planning a Fortune's Wheelhouse meetup for this fall. You could be one of them. And now, here's this week's episode. Okay, Uh, welcome to the Six of Cups, a welcome relief after the Five of Cups. Uh, It is the Lord of Pleasure, finding pleasure in the heart of the three death cards. (laughs) Just to recap briefly, we, we talked in the last episode a little bit about these three death cards as cards of the sacrifice of the hanged man, that portion of his quest, and that these three parts of the sacrifice are ruled by Mars, Sun, and Venus. In the Mars one last episode, we had the cutting down before its time, uh, the actual shock of death. And here in the sixth card, in the Sun ruling the second decan of Scorpio, we're going to talk about rebalancing uh, and the, uh, the emphasis here on being what you gained through sacrifice or why you sacrificed, the purpose behind it. And I often find with six cards that there is a sense of usefulness or purpose to them. Like the reason why we do this is.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Being about, you know, six, there's a theme of balance and harmony and i call this card the goldilocks card you know the, the five of cups it was too dry and there wasn't enough and the seven of cups it's all polluted and there's too much and the six of cups everything's just
0: right it's just for a moment and that is partly to do with sixes and partly to do with sun yes. right again this is what we call a double card. We went from triple martial qualities in the Five of Cups to a double solar quality in this card because the sun is the ruler of the face or Deccan, the second Deccan of Scorpio. And it's also because it's a six and sixes are associated with Tiferet, the sixth Sephira on the tree of life, which itself corresponds to the sun.
1: One thing that's really cool about six is that it's a direct reflection on the tree of the ace oh yeah so mm-hmm. all that potential of the ace you know the beautiful ace of cups is you know manifest and shown here yeah. directly you know yeah at the center of the tree
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm the idea that uh it's something that becomes a little bit more accessible something like you know the su- the life-giving sun for us yeah as opposed to the if ineffable. we were <laughs> right
1: I consider this card not only a card of pleasure and joy but also a card of freedom and I see a lot of themes of freedom in the stories around this card and also we talked a little bit about the 3 Scorpio cards having something to do with the the waters of Hades and the the after death journey you know through the underworld And in this case, I associate this card with the Elysian Fields, Mm. you know, where where that kind of place where heroes and the virtuous and um, the righteous got to go after death.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. It reminds me a little bit of, you know, the idea of going into the West where the sun sets. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. that's
1: totally appropriate because the – Elysian fields were said to be on the western edge of the Earth, or the western edge of Oceanus, the great oh. river that circled circled the Earth. And also, this Deccan contains the um royal watcher star Antares, which is the watcher of the West.
0: Yes, that's wonderfully apropos, because the West is associated in many cultures with the land of the dead. Yeah. The, the happy setting, dead, the specifically. Sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um. Right. Yeah. There's the, the the so there's not only the the stories about the Elysian Fields, but there's also the the islands of the blessed, mm. which were even a further paradise. So you only got to go there if you were reincarnated three times, and each time that you died. You had qualified to make it to the Elysian fields. (laughs) After that, you got to go to the islands of the blessed or the, or the fortunate isles.
0: Did it have Um, to be three in a row?
1: (laughs) I don't know. Working
0: the refs here.
1: I think so. I think so. So So if you got, if you were fortunate enough to go to those islands of the blessed, you got to live a life of ease and pleasure, a life without toil. Mm -hmm. And it was said to be a place of fruits and flowers and birds interestingly it said it was the mm. islands were full of birds and and full of fruit and it's but one interesting thing that came from uh Pliny Pliny the elder there said that but also uh monsters putrefying monsters were occasionally thrown up from
0: under the sea oh gosh and isn't that
1: a scorpionic <laughs> thing yes, you know it certainly is it's <laughs> so strange
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And water itself is just associated with the West, you know, yeah. so often, yep. period, which we're seeing also in the stories that you're telling there. Fascinating. Then there's the, uh, the river
1: Acheron. Um, and it was said, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit in the episode on the five, but that was said to be that, um, I- where souls who have lived neither well nor ill are ferried up the Acheron to be purified for their evil deeds before being rewarded for their good
0: ones, and then mm. they're sent to be reborn. Interesting. So it's a sort of a limbo, yeah, a watery limbo. it's kind limbo. of like a
1: purification mm-hmm. process, you know, a washing. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. Then there's the story of um, Aeneas. Mm-hmm. There's part of um, Virgil's... Aeneid poetry. It's, you know, huge long, but there's one section where he goes on a journey to the underworld and it's part of, you know, pacifying the goddess Hera. Mm -hmm. Of course. Of course. It's always, (laughs) it's always about her, um, pacifying her when it's anyway, but he has to bring this magical golden bow in order to gain entrance to the underworld. He has to give it to, um, Charon to be ferried across the river. And so he goes there and he, he goes down the, Acheron River, and he's accompanied by a Sybil, a priestess of the Apollonian Oracle, which again brings in Apollo and the sun, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. So he gets ferried down this river, and he sees the dead on the banks, and he's brought to the Elysinian uh fields and there he meets his the ghost of his father and his father gives him a vision about the destiny of rome yes that's really great for this card in particular yeah and part of the poetry in that is just it sounds like like especially when you look at the the Thoth card or even my card because he talks a lot about crystal streams and golden flowers and things like that and you can totally see it you can totally see it six there yeah. Mossy banks and crystal streams through groves and, you know, really poetic language like that. Flowers of gold, nurturing waters in the island of the blessed.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because it's sort of like there, there are themes of the past and the future, which I think is, you know, a solar thing that you can see both back <laughs> and forward. Yeah. And, you know, it's a way of balancing the timeline, and also that sort of like the gifts of the past to the future, the gifts of memory yeah, to what you're able to achieve in the future. Right. That's interesting. Right. Coming from his father. yeah. hmm mm-hmm.
1: So apparently his father must have been a hero because he made it to the fields. <laughs> right. So Acheron or Acheron as a personified figure was – um a son of Helios. So then you're bringing oh. in the sun and parent, uh, mother parent was either considered Demeter or a Gaia. So again, you have this sun and earth theme, you know, the, which I can yeah. see in this card, you know? Yeah. And
0: sun, you know, sun and sun, right? yeah, The sun being both a yep. sun and a uh, male offspring. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting to think about the, you know, inflection of the sun through the different minor cards. Um, this is the sun ruling a decan of Scorpio, but we also have the sun ruling a decan of Aries, uh, ruling a decan of Gemini, ruling a decan of Virgo, and ruling a decan of Capricorn. So as you see it inflecting through those different signs, each kind of lends a quality um, to the sun's general function of rebalancing, of purpose, of leadership. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: When I, when I consider the sun in, in Scorpio, it's, this card is always about the sun upon the waters, you know, the sun warming the waters, bringing fertility of waters. And then it brings in that process of alchemical distillation, you know,
0: applying yeah. heat to
1: the, to the, to the liquid in the alembic.
0: For sure, for sure. And I think that it's like, you know, although we saw this sort of, uh, contrast of what happens with fiery Mars and a watery sign in the five of cups, it's almost like the sun, you know, does fine, does fine in the alchemical process of reconciling opposites. And the sun's very happy here because mm-hmm. we're in the
1: sixth, you know, Yes. We're in- Tiferess here. So it's an, it's another double card, sun, sun.
0: Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. And we see the sun doing well in the three of wands as well, where it's in Aries and exalted. Uh, we see it doing, you know, fine in Virgo, where it's just uh, regulating the sixth sign. Um, and we see it doing okay in Capricorn as well. We see the fiery sun having kind of a good regulatory relationship with earth in Capricorn as well. Where we see it doing worst maybe is with the 10 of swords where air is added to the fire <laughs> yeah. and th- it's fanaticism kind of, this is the extreme side of the sun where it kind of goes to, to a fanatical degree um, mm. in the process of logic and argument. But when we get there, we'll also find good things to say about it. Right. Yeah. We talked about how this is the period between November f- 1st or 2nd to November 11th, so starting with the Day of the Dead, right? Right, and it's marking that uh, midpoint
1: between the
0: um, equinox and the solstice. Right, right, which is, you know, really, um, the Day of the Dead is such a celebratory, happy kind of festival. It's truly about recognizing and remembering and being festive about you know what your ancestors achieved it's not a day of mourning which you might not expect on halloween or all hallows day the day after it uh, there's more of a spookiness and a i don't know a sense of nervousness approaching the dead but here the thi- the veil has thinned and you have the light shining in full on the land of the dead, and it's a happy thing. Yeah, it's almost a
1: celebration
0: of the dead. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the um, associated majors are the sun (laughs) and death, right? It's always hard to kind of read into the sun, right, because it's all kind of right out there on the surface. I've made the attempt in the past, and I think there's something about a theme that we see throughout these cards, the Six of Cups cards, where there's a recognition that, life is short, and that you have to make the most of it. You know, that's part of the theme of pleasure. The flowers are cut in the vase. Um, The sweetness of the moment we live in, you know, before and after is non-existence. This is a moment where there's color, life, motion, action. This card has sort of a carpe diem feel about it, because it is daytime. And Before and after our night. (laughs) Yeah.
1: In terms of literal death, you know, where the five in literal death was a feeling of loss and and grief, this is more of like the release of of the soul the you know the yeah. spirit liberated the freedom having the freedom for the soul to soar out of the body and and
0: death as a release from suffering yeah i like that i like that i love especially in your card you see the the spirit flying into the sunset yeah you know? it definitely gives you that feeling <laughs>
1: yeah of, of how it might feel really good Actually, it might <laughs> feel really
0: good it might feel really good and i also think that you know, so that's the, from the spirit side of it, from the spirit's release, from the human side of it, there's, I, I think there's a bittersweetness to this. I think there's a concept that the Portuguese talk about called saudade, which is a pleasurable thing. It's a pleasurable emotion, not one we have a name for in our culture, but one that has longing associated with it as well. You know, loss and longing, but also pleasure, it's something that I think is well-represented in this card. Appreciation for the moment you're in while also feeling the separation, you know, from that moment in the future. That reminds me of the fact that, like, when you have sunlight, you have shadow, right? Right. On a gray day like we happen to be recording on, there's not that much sun and there's not that much shadow. It's kind of meh. But, you know, the greater the sunlight, the stronger the shadow. And Mm. that contrast to me is also inherent in this card. There's something about sunlight
1: on water too that <laughs> right. illuminates the depths, you know, lets you see what's down there, but it also warms the water and, and, you know, it's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, and we'll talk about that more in the Thoth card. I think there's an actual Crowley quote about it. If the five of cups was what you called emotional severity, then this would be emotional beauty. Or, or emotional, um, balance, emotional balance, emotional harmony. Right, right.
1: The, the words for the Tiferet yeah. words.
0: Yeah. Uh, I looked up the definition of Tiferet as well. And, oh, it's so weird because, you know, it's uh beauty, but also glory or highness or nobility. And actually, when you look up the words on the tree of life, they're all like, these words to describe divinity, basically, you know, you know how mm-hmm. at the end of uh, the Lord's prayer, it's basically all those, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, yep. you know, it's all that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, you, yep. and the the names of the tree of life reflect those names of divinity. And so this one is sometimes translated as glory, sometimes as but more often in our context is beauty, beauty the idea. Beauty and harmony, right? Yeah, beauty and harmony.
1: But there's also the association with sacrificial gods, and that, you know, brings us back to our hanged man theme in the cup suit.
0: Right, right. The idea that, so this is the center of the center, the the fixed decan of the fixed sign of Scorpio, the heart of the sacrifice, which is in itself the heart of the story of the hanged man, which we talked about as being, you know, the chariot's starting the quest and then the death card being the sacrifice the itself price you pay. and then the moon will be what you get from it the right. visions and dreams but uh but yeah here is the very moment where it's almost like you know you were talking about Sharon um, or Karen and the the river sticks and it's like here's where you pay the ferryman and you take your ride <laughs> right <laughs> you know whatever it is you're paying for that transaction takes place in this moment. And, you know, and I almost think that in the right await Six of Cups, to me that has the feel of a certain transaction as well. Yeah,
1: there's definitely a visual of some sort of transaction yeah. happening. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other interesting thing about Tiferet, the virtue of that is supposed to be the uh, devotion to the great work, whereas the vice is
0: pride. Oh. Um. Oh, that makes sense. You yeah. know, different sides of the sun's um, self sufficiency versus narcissism, right? Kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is a real alchemical feel about all of these five, six, seven cards. And, yeah, there's and, so
1: much gold in this card. Mm-hmm. It's you know, talks. A, it it speaks to me about the alchemy, the process of turning lead into
0: gold for sure. <laughs> Austin's description of this Deccan is a mutual distillation apparatus. The idea that there's an exchange between two. And you can um, see that Alembics. in the
1: Rider Waite card with the exchange between the two children
0: there um, mm-hmm. on the card. Mm-hmm. And also the, I think throughout we're going to be seeing the theme of the solar twins.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. So this card, we have the sun ruling the Deccan, but we also have water which is very a lunar thing so mm-hmm. that brings to mind apollo and artemis you know yeah. the sun and the moon the solar and the lunar and and that's f- their twins mm-hmm. and then there's the story of um addis and sabelle their are they're a form of solar twins um and it's a you know addis was has a lot to do with the hanged man you know because he was hung on a pine tree okay
0: Right, so again, that reference yeah, to water, elemental yep. water. Mm-hmm.
1: There's something about this card, too, that's both innocent but sexual. It's yeah. like sexual but pure at the same time. Mm-hmm. There's a certain purity but definitely a sexual theme going on between right. the male and the female, the partnership,
0: a sexual fulfillment, a sexual pleasure. An equality about it, really. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because also the sun is balanced between – the Mars Five and the Venusian Seven, right, yeah. so it's kind of a mediating communicating with both, yeah, yeah,
1: to talk about a little about the sign of Scorpio,
0: yeah, let's see so that. yeah,
1: I mentioned that in this card is um Antares right at the center at 15 degrees of Scorpio, and that being one of the watcher stars, the watcher of the West, the marker mm-hmm. of the autumn equinox.
0: So we're talking 10 to 19 degrees of Scorpio, and you said it's at 15 degrees? Yeah, so right mm-hmm. near the center.
1: Mm-hmm. So that star is the alpha star, the star at the heart of the Scorpio constellation, Scorpius. Mm-hmm. And there's some really cool um, mythologies around that. So one of the things about that constellation, it has this weird and cool relationship with the constellation Orion. They do this dance in the sky. They can never be in the sky at the same time. (laughs) And it's because there's, there's a whole mythological story around that where there's two different stories. One of them says that Orion was a mighty hunter and he dared to boast to Artemis or to Gaia in different stories, but let's say Artemis. Mm-hmm. That he could kill every animal on earth. He was a better hunter than she was. And never, you know, a good idea. You never <laughs> boast to a goddess. Okay. That's, you know, rule one bad idea. So she sent a scorpion to, to bite him and go after him and kill him. And because of that, they're, they're both constellations in the sky and they can never be in the sky at the same time. So then there's another constellation, um, Ophiacus. That's the serpent bearer. So mm-hmm. this all has to do with. The sign of Scorpio, because the sign of Scorpio has three forms. The scorpion, the serpent, and the eagle. Yeah. And they're all parts of this story because, okay, so Artemis sends the, the scorpion after Orion. Orion gets bit by the scorpion and, and dies. But Ophiuchus, the serpent bearer who has a lot to do with healing, brings Orion the antidote and saves his life. And you'll see Ophiuchus stands in the sky between, um, Orion and Scorpius, and he looks like he's standing on the scorpion's head. He's like right. crushing the scorpion. Right. And, and so, so anyway, Zeus gets mad at Ophiuchus for interfering in the affairs of, of man or whatever, <laughs> uh, of Earth. And he sends Aquila the eagle. After. I was going to say, when's Aquila coming? Yeah, when's, right. yeah, so he sends Aquila after Ophiuchus with a thunderbolt. And Aquila throws this thunderbolt at Ophiuchus and takes him down. So there's this dance happening in the sky where Orion sets in the west and disappears at the same time that Scorpius rises in the east. And when Scorpius sets... Ophiuchus is seen standing on top of his head, symbolizing the death of the scorpion. Mm -hmm. And then when the Scorpius descends, Orion rises in the east, healed and reborn from, you know, from Ophiuchus's antidote. And when Ophiuchus sets, the eagle is seen over his head, like Mm -hmm. threatening him, signifying his mortal wounding. So it's this like huge dance in the sky, These the myths of these things battling each other. And no one ever wins. And it goes on over and over and over, day after day, season after season. It's it's about the story between a battle between light and darkness. And we were talking about light and shadow and the sign of Scorpio. Because when... The sun is in Scorpio, it's the dark half of the year, you know, we're coming mm-hmm. into the autumn equinox. For us. But when yeah. the sun, yeah, for us. When the mm-hmm. sun's in Orion, that's our summer season. And this mm-hmm. this dance between, you know, goes on and on between these constellations. But I, I thought it was cool just because it, it brings in all three creatures of Scorpio. It yeah. brings in themes of dark and light. And then there's another version of the story where the scorpion wasn't sent by Artemis. That the, in this other alternate version of the story, Orion wasn't a big boastful braggart. He was actually a, a humble man, and he was a better hunter than Artemis, but he was smart enough not to say so, and he <laughs> praised her as being the better huntress, even though she wasn't. And as a result, he, she really loved him. And became he, he became like a favorite of her, but Apollo got jealous over their relationship and sent the scorpion. So that's another... right. Right. You can't win. uh, Right.
0: Either (laughs) way, you can't win.
1: But I thought that was just such a cool story in relation to Scorpio. And the other thing that was really cool is in, um, in one, in one story, if you look at this, the Antares star, it's at the heart of the scorpion and the centaur, the, uh, Sagittarius constellation, the, Arrow is pointed at the heart of the scorpion. <laughs> oh, that's great.
0: And Antares, isn't that one of the red, reddish stars? Yeah, yeah. It's
1: the name means rival of Mars. Right. So it has because it's that, another red, you know, martial, which we expect with martial. Yep. Entities. And it, it actually has a couple other names that I thought were cool. It has, uh, the Lord of the Seed Ooh. and the creator of prosperity and the hero and the king. And the vermilion star.
0: Those are wonderful names. Aren't they cool? Where yeah. do you find them?
1: Oh, uh, here, I there, and everywhere.
0: Or two own star mythologies. That's so cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, that makes a lot of sense. It's a good segue into the Deccan imagery because in the Picatrix, the the image is a man riding a camel holding a scorpion in his hand, which you just yeah. know. Has to do with the Scorpio imagery. The camel, I don't know. (laughs) Right. Um, Water.
1: Water. Uh, Water
0: and the desert. You know, the idea that... uh,
1: Although that seems more like the previous, the desert.
0: Yeah, but the camel brings its own water, so it regulates you know yep. like as the sun does this yeah. sort of process it's how you survive it yeah um it's supposed to signify knowledge modesty settlement and speaking evil of one another which i don't really see um in agrippa we have a man naked and a woman naked and a man sitting on the earth and before him two dogs biting one another it's like somebody's dream <laughs> but i think with the naked man and woman that's a that's a twin the twins yeah reference um
1: yeah this on the mm-hmm. sun card you, you see the naked uh, male and female twins
0: right right it could be a and on solar the moon card thing. you see the two dogs
1: biting one another so it's a <laughs> right. sun and moon reference oh there you go yeah there you another go solar lunar
0: right right there's a mutuality in the relationship um no matter what and the signification impudence deceit and false dealing and for to lend mischief and strife amongst men so the significations are a bit darker than what we tend to associate with this card the, it speaks to kind of the vulnerability of, you know, Scorpio, that Scorpio has to defend against. Right. You know? Right. The, the feeling of being completely naked all the time.
1: Yeah, right, <laughs> right. The other, um, cool thing is that Antares star is associated with the Egyptian goddess Circuit, which is the scorpion goddess. And she was a, you know, fertility, nature, medicine, healing, all things that you might think. Oh, and also a protect, protector of the dead. Um, she had to do with venom, venom and, and healing, um, venomous bites and stings, cause that's the, the scorpion. But, um. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was kind
0: of, kind of neat too. Well, I think that there's definitely a connection between the serpents of the sun and the serpents of Scorpio, right? Yeah, and there's a
1: connection mm-hmm. between Scorpio and healing in general, Yeah. you know. The, yeah. the the snakes, the Ophiuchus, the healer, the serpent holder.
0: Yeah. I think that of all of the stories, um if you take each of the each triad of cards as a story of the minor arcana, each sign the Scorpio one is the one that feels the most alchemical to me. You know, I mean, just because in some ways they will actually take the story of Scorpio, the three forms, and consider that yeah, a metaphor for right. alchemy. Yep. But there isn't any other, you know, story within the miners that so perfectly reflects that transformation. Mm. I mean, it gets boring to talk about transformation when you're in a divination, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like astrologers hate doing it, tarot readers hate doing it, but this really is where it happens. (laughs) Yep.
1: Another um, cool thing, when I was researching um, the Elysian Fields and I I found this reference that totally speaks to me about this card because I consider this card, you know, pleasure with joy and freedom. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. there's uh you're probably familiar with the Ode to Joy. Yeah. Beethoven's mm-hmm. um ninth the fourth mm-hmm. movement of the ninth symphony, but it was inspired by a poem. Mm-hmm. And um the first verse of the poem is really cool because it kind of sounds a little bit like is this. It card. Schiller or yeah, is it- Friedrich Schiller. Mm-hmm. Um anyway, the first mm-hmm. verse of the poem, I won't read the whole thing, but the mm-hmm. first verse was just really spoke about this card to me. Mm-hmm. Uh it says Joy, beautiful spark of the gods, daughter from Elysium, we enter drunk with fire. Heavenly one, thy sanctuary, your magic binds again what convention strictly divides. All people become brothers where your gentle wing abides.
0: Oh, that's perfect for this card. Isn't it? It's so perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Daughter of Elysium.
0: Yeah. The flight. The flight,
1: the freedom. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting about that, it's called Ode to Joy, but- Mm -hmm. There's some that say the that it was originally called Ode to Freedom.
0: Ah, so
1: there's a there's a theme there. Hang on, I'm gonna pause
0: it. So, and another really cool thing that we that we just looked up is that the Ode to Joy is primarily in D major, and D is sometimes associated with the sun. Sometimes it's E and sometimes it's D. It depends on whether you go by the Sephirot or the aussolutic color of the sun. But anyway, so so that's a super cool thing. You could have this idea of joy, release, freedom, the sun, and D major all kind of tied up together in the Ode to Joy.
1: Cool. You know, another thing that just occurred to me while I was waiting for you to look that up, actually, <laughs> we were talking about the solar twins and about Apollo and Artemis the sun and the moon, you know, the sun and the water, and, and alchemy, that process of alchemy. And I real—I yeah. started thinking about, well, the path between the sun and the moon is the art card. Oy! And that's yeah. the card of Apollo and Artemis <laughs> combined as one being in that card of alchemy. So I oh was like, God. oh, yeah, Duh. Per-
0: perfect. <laughs> that's right? perfect. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it seems so apt, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. Okay. So, um, cardomantic associations with the six of hearts are interesting. Um, it says, uh, so this is Atea. When, when this presents upright, it signifies for you happy memories, agreeable memories, which mm-hmm. is a theme we definitely see throughout this card.
1: Yeah. Pleasurable recollections.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I have another sort of quote from a cardomantic site that says, the six of hearts is a card of transition, evokes memories and past events, but the consequences of this card don't last long. In fact, in love, it could evoke a union that will disappear in the near future. The card shows ephemeral things, which is something we will actually see more of, uh, as we unpack the cards yeah. one by one. I think, uh, the idea that it only lasts a day while the sun is shining. By the way, do you know how far we are between equinox and solstice in this one? We're at the midpoint. It, we're at the midpoint, That's right? The, yeah. yeah the November 1st is
1: the mid, the cross-quarter day. Yeah. Interesting. Which is balance, you know, yeah. the midpoint. Okay.
0: All right. So um, so if we go card by card, we can start with the Rider weight, the Six of Cups, beautiful uh, sunny day there depicted in the cards. That was said to be the um, courtyard of Small Hithe, uh, Small Hithe Place, which we keep talking about, um, where, um, where Pamela Coleman Smith spent so much time. And there's a pretty good picture of it in The, the Secrets of the Wade Smith Tarot by Marcus Katz and Tali Goodwin, if you'd like to see it there. Katz and Goodwin also talk a lot about the idea that this had to do with a puppet play about Nance Oldfield, who was an actress who was kind of iconic at the time, and at one point was played by Pamela Coleman Smith's friend Ellen Terry. Now, this Nance or Anne Oldfield was also famous for having been buried in white kid-skin gloves – so if you look at the you know the little figure the white mitten (laughs) right the white mitten which has mystified so many people right because it looks pretty (laughs) sunny there it looks pretty (laughs) sunny (laughs) why has she got a mitten on that's perhaps one one reference to that the white gloves you know i think in general you could say that white in this deck has to do with purity Mm -hmm. of acts right you know what you do with your hands is a purity of acts and purity of intention
1: and the white flowers there. Right, are, are right. Echoing that.
0: Uh, with their five petals right, being like the five
1: fingers of the hand, the five fingers
0: of the hand, right. the, the the idea of spirit over matter. In fact, they're mostly written, uh, they're mostly drawn one point up, right, so yeah. you can see them. Um, and weight said of this card that it was, it's a card of the past and of memories, um, a card of things that have vanished, which is, you know, again, reflecting that cardomantic, Tradition, uh, the idea that there's, uh, there's a memory that's passing away, that the flowers have been cut, that, um. Or the memories
1: of childhood because right. there's children in the card.
0: Right, right. Exactly. That there's a memory of security and safety, um, but of the past going away. And I think the Golden Dawn said of the Six of Cups that it signifies the commencement of pleasure only. Right, the beginning.
1: It said it was the beginning of pleasure. Because, and, well, you'll see when we get into the other card, the cups aren't overflowing. Mm -hmm. They're just starting to fill. Right. Which kind of makes sense because isn't, isn't
0: anticipation part of pleasure the
1: most pleasurable part of pleasure really in a way is, is, you know it really <laughs> is
0: as a contrast to what we saw in the five of cups you know the disappointment of there not being as much as you thought <laughs> right. but uh, but yes the the looking forward to the good thing that's going to happen
1: mm-hmm. two things that jump out to me about this card so one you see that um the cross there the x on yeah the, the saltier the, plinth, the saltier mm-hmm. symbol mm-hmm. and i'm wondering if that's you know the cross is one of the symbols of tefaret. Um mm-hmm. It's at the center of the tree of life, which is sort of like a crossroads. And I was wondering if there was anything anything there, like why, if there's anything in any of your um, books on Rider Waite symbolism about why that's there. But that was my thought, that it has to do with a tefaret, um crossroads. I think that that's great. Center I, of the tree. Yeah,
0: I didn't see any source references to it, but I think that the center of the tree is as good as any. And mm-hmm. the solar reference that goes with the cross, you know, sacrificial gods, yep. you know. And also, you know, there's also, just from what we've been talking about, that idea that this is the heart of the transaction, you know, the thing that takes place at the crossroads oh, yep. where you turn, you know, from the thing that you are bargaining for to the price. To paid, the price right, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. What's it going to cost me? And there's a real contrast in this card, I think, between the sort of solidity and permanence of the stone and the buildings and everything. And, you know, and the cut flowers and, you know, this sort of gift, which is being given. Uh, There's also a, you know, I've always found that that figure, the guard walking off into the distance on the left, you know, it's almost monochrome compared to the rest of the card. There's a sense of somebody who may have been in charge of your safety and security, like a parent or a, you know, an ancestor who watched over you sort of receding into the past, I think, Mm, with that. That's
1: interesting. I was wondering about that guy.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I haven't gotten any more sort of idea of what she intended by that. But weirdly enough, when uh, Marcus and Tally went to this site and took a picture, there was two people walking off into the distance on the side of the It It's all spooky and synchronistic.
1: (laughs) There's... Something else that jumped out on me about this card is they're both wearing these kind of red caps and red headgear, and especially the, the boy figure, it reminds me of what's called the... You've probably heard the term, the Phrygian cap. Yes. It's that pointed little cap that- Which um, was an emblem of freedom. It was an emblem of freedom and- Revolutionary. Often worn by solar twins. So Castor and Pollux wore that. um, uh, A lot of the solar twins wore that cap and it was supposed to be remnants of the egg that they were hatched out of. Oh, how great. The little little (laughs) cap on the head. And so then you also get, it, it, it comes from- it has an association with freedom because it was associated with something called the Pileus cap of Rome. And when Roman slaves were freed, they were given a red felt cap to signify oh, their wow. freedom. And that's why now in more modern times, it's the, the French – wear the red cap for the revolutionary freedoms. And it's a, it's a symbol of that, but it comes from ancient Rome. And I thought it was really cool, too, that it was called the Pilius cap because it makes me think of the piliated woodpecker who has the, <laughs> yes. po- the pointed red. And yes. that must be how it got its name because he has yes. the pointed red head, like Woody Woodpecker. <laughs>
0: mm,
1: very nice. But I thought it was really neat with the that they're both wearing these red caps that are sort of reminiscent of that and, yeah. and that association with freedom and liberty. Um, yes,
0: and the idea that red is associated in the Rider-Waite-Smith uh, deck with life and passion, and it's sort of like, we're on team life, go, 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 you know, it's yeah. even in the heart of death here. You know, there's a um, we may be mortal, but we're rooting for life. Uh, I mean, there's some, there's some question with this card, whether they're children or just very small people, right? You know, little people, but insofar that as this card is traditionally associated with children, it's the way that we as human beings, you know, even as we say, okay, we're getting older, our time is done, we're rooting for our children to carry on the line, right? Where that is, that's our investment in life. That's how we hand down our Mm. gifts. Or one of the ways. Looking at the symbolism that we see in the sun and the death card. Well, one one thing that's really worth noticing is you've got the sun in the sun card shining at noon, and then you have it at sunset in the death card. And to me, this card is like late afternoon. It's fused with that golden glow, you know, the gold of Tiferet, right? That light sort of streaming through the courtyard um, is the light of late afternoon. I can see that.
1: Yeah. In between. Noon and
0: sunset is Mm -hmm. that that's when that golden glow occurs. Right, right. And you, you know, and this, the stone wall of the sun is to me sort of, it feels like it's the same stone that's in that courtyard. I know that sense of a protected garden space. Mm. And then you have, you have the flowers. In the six of cup card being handed,
1: five-petaled white flower, right? A theme from the death card, exactly.
0: There's the there's the flowers of the death card and the flower on the death banner. Yeah, that's what I meant—the
1: five-petaled white rose. But there's also
0: Mm. the maiden with the flower garland on On her her head. Yep, you know who is. This is a death in the maiden myth right here. That's the maiden from the strength card. So, you know, you have that sun in Leo, right? you know, sort of like here's the sun meeting Scorpio, meeting death and the cutting down of the flowers. And, you know, what's really interesting is that I remember, this is a footnote in a Mary Greer book that I remember sending to her. I had drawn the death card on the day I went for an ultrasound, you know, for Noah, for my first child. And I kind of freaked, you know, because... You never like to see death when when you are pregnant. But uh, but what was weird about it was that, you know, in, in retrospect, that makes so much sense because it looks like a sonogram, first of all, and, you know, and it's life coming out of the water. Yeah, right? it's peeking into the water. Peeking into the water. Sh- shedding light seeing, on something yeah. that's hidden within the waters. That's right, perfect. Right. And in retrospect, it just made so much sense. So it was death reverse it was in her tarot reversals book that asking for you know examples of interesting reversals people had encountered and this was mine the death reverse card and you know and of course the baby's upside down and you know. <laughs> so that was kind of a cool thing but uh, but yeah so there's a connection between the flowers rooted in the sun card the flowers cut in the 6 of cups and then the flower garland on the head of the you know maiden the strength maiden uh, in the death card. Okay. Um, Alright, how about Thoth?
1: Beautiful golden flowers. This is such a beautiful and the, card. And the way the stems are just so curvy and the, the waves are so curvy, it just, I don't know, it's almost as if they're swaying or
0: it's beautiful. rocking in a pleasurable way. <laughs> yeah. Very sensual. It, it reminds me of like a piece of furniture from the court of the sun king (laughs) yeah right (laughs) it's so you know gilded and uh, ornate, and you know the emphasis is on beauty, beauty, beauty. Yeah, the, and the the gold of the sun, and the gold of Tefarat and right, even the placement of the sun glyph on the card is a reference. Right to at Tfaret. the center. Yeah. yeah, and and the way
1: the the waves of the waters are kind of highlighted gold with the mm-hmm. like the sun on mm-hmm. the water.
0: Right. So what's that quote from Thoth? The sun on water, um, harmony without effort or strain. Uh, foreign to the card is the gratification of artificial or natural desires and uh I think somewhere I was reading that uh I don't know if this is him or someone else but the idea that this is the fulfillment of the sexual will that yes mutuality (laughs) we're talking about yeah that was him yeah (laughs) of course (laughs) (laughs) right yeah. So he, he also assigns an I Ching hexagram to this, oh, right. which is weird, right? Cause he right. doesn't do that for there others.
1: Were, yeah. I, I thought of that too. And, but what was neat about that one. So that one is wind over earth. And yes. again, that. It seems like the marriage between heaven and earth, you know what I mean? And there's a lot of that heaven and earth in this card that I can see. And the name of it was uh, Manifesting or Contemplating. Yes. And there was a quote from, oh, who's that famous I Ching translator? Is it Wilhelm? It read as, Intercourse of heaven and earth, celestial and terrestrial unite in intercourse, and all things are in communion communion with each other. Oh, that's great! And so that reminded me of the sexual will, the pleasure, the fulfillment, the the union of heaven and earth, and the sun and the water, and also the um that ode to joy. You know, all all
0: people become brothers. You know what yes, I mean? That yes, union, that,
1: are- that that union theme. That
0: I said, I thought that was kind of kind of cool. Well, I thought that watching, contemplating part of it was fascinating because you know it made me think about how. In meditation, you're stripping away all of the thoughts of the ego, you're st- and in journey work as well, you're stripping away everything on the surface till you're left with nothing but the observer, you know, the unmoved mover, the consciousness The that watcher of us. the
1: watch, too. Yeah, yeah. The, con-
0: the consciousness that connects us all, and that's how you can travel between realms. When you strip down to the lowest common denominator, which is that connection between all things, which is made conscious by the sun, right? So even here in the heart of death, you know, where everything has been taken away, still the the light of consciousness can shine. And it's like a lucid dream, or it's like a journey. It's where the conscious mind can penetrate into these hidden realms. Yeah, that's interesting. It is interesting. And I wish I actually spent about half an hour trying to figure out where the rest of his hexagram correspondences I, I why, to the miners were. Why, why,
1: why in this one? But maybe it just grabbed him as having a, a you know really appropriate meaning. Because it all it also in that one it talked about uh, the hieros you know, yeah, the, the alchemical marriage, and that seems apt with again, this, the again, twins again the with the twins and the alchemy thing. Mm-hmm. And it also talked about um, washing and purification, and then that that. Brought up that whole thing about you know the that part of the underworld process where you're purified before being rewarded.
0: I was looking for a table, man. <laughs> yeah, right. Because like yep. he didn't usually do that. I, I literally combed through 777 yesterday, and I found the ink tables, and they didn't have anything about this in there. Yep. What the hell? So, yeah, he was riffing. (laughs) I guess so. so. One other
1: thing. So, looking at the Thoth card, Mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned how the sun was right in the center, which Mm -hmm. is really appropriate. But notice where the glyph of Scorpio is. It's real at the very bottom of the card in a really dark area. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was cool because when I was reading about the uh, mythology of the constellation Scorpius, it's located in the darkest part of the milky way that's great and it was it, it gave the example of like the scorpion liking to live in dark crevices and and i thought that was really cool and then i looked at it on the card and i saw this and it's scorpion literally symbol literally in a dark crevice in like the that.
0: darkest part of the card yeah, yeah. isn't that kind of neat that's great that's great just peeking out yep yeah and that is you know sort of that spot in the card is probably where it has the most color connection to the death card yeah you know
1: yep There's something about this card for me, too, that is about both deep water and shallow water mm-hmm. at the same time, because there's the deep water of Scorpio that, you know, the depths and the, you know, the dark places, but then there's also the whole sun on the water and where does the sun get, you know, the wa- the shallow waters are where the sun warms the water and right. it brings the life and things like that. Right. It's both deep and shallow at the same time.
0: Yeah. It makes you think of the kind of, Things that grow on the surface of the water, the interactions that take place there. And also, you know, the waves of the water remind me of the green hill of the sun card a little bit. It's almost like... Yeah, yeah, kind of, Mm -hmm. Mm yeah.
1: And I love the the way the cups have the um, little golden globules on the bases. Yeah. Like little globs of gold. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the, the sea is you know, it's not a still sea. It's a it's a it's a wavy sea. The way the spirals of the death card are churning up the waters in a way. There's a, there's motion in here. Yeah. You know it's yep. but it's like a pleasurable motion. It's like yes, a you know yes, gentle rocking. rocking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which seems right. kind of sexual on there <laughs> now that I think about it. It's totally sexual. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: It's interesting because you know we have fixity. We have this is the fixed of the fixed, and yet it's constantly changing. It's in motion. It's mm-hmm. rocking. It's you know there's reciprocity in in the motion, and uh, and that idea that you're uh, t- rounding the corner in some way in the heart of the Scorpio cards. You're you're heading around to the other side of the bargain. <laughs> All right, I think we're ready to move on to your card. Your beautiful 6 of cups.
1: This is one of my favorite cards and you know why wouldn't it be for anyone because yeah. it's it's one of my favorite cards to get.
0: Mhm. Just mm-hmm.
1: because it there's nothing nothing bad about it, really. I have seen it come up in terms of actual death, mm-hmm. but it's more of when Death is a release from suffering type Mm -hmm. of thing. So it's even still good in that, in that case. Um, so anyway, in the symbolism of the card you have the eagle you know soaring and it is like the spirit being set free and the eagle of course comes from the death card because if you look at the death card the he's riding on a creature that's part eagle and part scorpion and part snake right um but the the eagle is said to be of the highest nature of scorpio so here we have the best of scorpio the central Deccan, um, the eagle soaring over the waters. And from the sun card, we have the actual literal sun. Looking like a sunset, really. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Setting in the west. So again, that brings in that, that whole, the Watcher of the West, the Antares star and the, the Elysian fields that were set in the, or the west and the, the islands of the blessed, even beyond that, further in the west where you know, there was a life without toil and ease and pleasure and mm-hmm. uh, freedom and joy and all that. It was actually a, a land where they said there was no winter. Mm. You know, and it was supposed to be that in, sounds somewhere great somewhere in the middle of the ocean, <laughs> doesn't it? An island in the middle of the ocean with no winter—it does sound pleasurable, it
0: really does. And frozen margaritas. <laughs>
1: yep. Also, from the sun card is that. Um, the interlocked triangles. So there's four interlocked triangles. Each triangle obviously has three
0: points. You're talking about around the head of the eagle. Yeah, around the head of the eagle, Mm -hmm. like
1: superimposed over the sun. And that comes directly from the sun card. You see the same interlocked triangles um, of the sun card. And so there's three points in each triangle and there's four triangles, which together that makes 12, the 12 of the zodiac. But also the four triangles is also a symbol for four earth and three heaven and so it's another thing about the marriage of heaven and earth i see um and that's been a theme all along in in this car this discussion and and in these cards yes then there's also the heart chakra the anahara chakra is a 12 petaled lotus the six has a lot to do, and the sun has a lot to do with the heart in the body. You know, um, Leo rules the heart, and there's a lot of heart symbolism, as well as the, the magical weapon of Tiferet is the lamin that's worn on the breast. So, again, that, that brings in the idea of the, the heart and the centering. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of the message of This card,
0: and what about the triangular arrangement of the cups? Well, that's a symbol for water. Okay, duh. uh, Yeah, the downward,
1: uh, the downward. What could that possibly be? Downward pointing triangle. Put in if if you'll notice in the cups that they're um they're kind of golden. In color both of the cups and the liquid inside them looks golden. And they you mm-hmm. know that could be thought of as sunlight glistening on the water, but it could also be the, the mead that the heroes in Valhalla get to drink, you know, in the afterlife. Yeah,
0: that's fantastic. That's fantastic. I think also it's worth pointing out the um the way this card connects with the Prince of Cups card. Um You know where you can see the very same landscape. Yep, that's mm-hmm. directly,
1: directly from mm-hmm. from there. In and his, he's riding the eagle. Case. Yep, he's got the eagle scorpion. pulling his chariot. Mm-hmm. And to go back to those triangles, mm-hmm. that's also a theme in the Rosetta Deck in the Six of Cups. So that card yeah. has the yantra that has these interlocked triangles in a really geometric pattern. And and that symbol is, you know, a really fortunate symbol about creation and about the union of male and female, the harmony of earth and
0: sky and heaven. So the triangle has something to do with all that. Mm-hmm. In your Rosetta uh, image, we have the same thing as in the Thoth image. It's not yet overflowing. Though. Right. The cups
1: mm-hmm. are filling. Mm-hmm. They're being filled by the golden lotuses, but they're not yet to the point of overflowing. So right. That's, again, that theme of the beginnings of pleasure. Oh, and the colors of the card. So um right. the, the main color is yellow gold. Mm. So of course then it brings in both the color of the sun and the idea of the gold of alchemy.
0: Right. And you can see the gold sort of shining on the Water in a way that it doesn't in the Prince of Cups because this is sunset and the yeah. beams cross the water in yep. a different way. Yep. Yeah, that's beautiful. I I just can't get enough of that card. Again, you have the colors of the water from the Death yep. card. Yeah,
1: all the colors of death are in the water. So the mm-hmm. the green green blue and the browns of are in the both in the water and in the the land around it. The islands around it. Um, so we have the dark brown of the eagle and the dull brown. It's dull brown and very dark brown and, uh, vivid indigo brown are the colors of
0: Scorpio. Um,
1: again, right. all those watery colors plus the colors of the eagle, the browns, you know, yeah. so it's the land and the waters and the eagle.
0: There's much more of a balance of warm and cool palettes in this card than there was in the previous one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: And then, you know, you get all the, the sun colors. So the yellow, gold, the, um, the orange, the rich amber, and amber-rayed red are the the solar colors. So, yeah, you get a balance of solar and, and water and earth even colors.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you say anything about the shape of the cups, um, how you chose that, what kind of cups they are?
1: I don't know. I just liked the – I wanted them to have that roundness, that pleasing, right. smooth – you know, nothing because sharp-edged about them. There, to me, you know, sort like you it sort of anticipates
0: a little bit what we're going to see in the seven. You know, the 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 creature within the round. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's something like there's something being born in there. <laughs> yeah, they they are kind of egg-like. Or like coconut shells. Very, great. Right, right. <laughs>
1: the eagle is just the perfect, I, perfect symbol for this card because in so many cultures, the eagle is associated with the sun. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, mm-hmm. it's countless. Almost every culture associates the eagle with the sun. Mm-hmm. I talk in the Libra Mundi book a lot about that, the different cultures and the different way they, they unite the symbol of the eagle with the symbol of the sun.
0: Right. Is there a particular kind of eagle, species of eagle? That's the bald eagle. Mm mm-hmm. Were you thinking of that as sort of uh, in a particularly American thing? Or? No, just mm-hmm. more the, just the majesty of the yeah. eagle. You know, they're yeah. just such
1: beautiful birds. And when you see them in flight, they're always soaring. You don't really see them flapping their wings <laughs> so much as riding currents of air, you know? Yes. Uh, really in in flight they make you wish you could fly when you when you see one
0: they do it reminds me of the myth of the eagle and the lark from uh you know bernadette brady the astrologer tells this story of the eagle and the lark and you know how uh the lark longed to sing its beautiful song for the for the gods but it couldn't get there so it had to fly on the back of the eagle and uh the eagle bore it up to the sun you know and the lark was able to sing its song and that is like a a metaphor for the power of the lark's intuition but the sort of hard analysis of the mental powers of the eagle you know that yep. that are combined in that kind of astrological divination.
1: The other thing that's interesting about the eagle and the sun is one of the reasons that's been put out there about why they might be connected is that during an eclipse sometimes the sun throws out a corona that looks like wings and a tail. So, and you've ever seen that symbol of the winged sun with, it's got the two wings on the side and a little like thing yes. at the bottom. Yes. Well, that's said to be what happens during the eclipse phase sometimes. Cool. And who knows if that's, you know, why or not, but it could be yeah. the origination of the winged disc. And in, so you see that symbol a lot in, uh, Persian art, mm-hmm. that, that symbol and, that's another thing that's in the book, and there's all these different words for it, one of which is, uh, fravahar, um, which is Persian or Iranian for I choose. And there's another word that's similar, like fravati, something like that, which means divine protection or shining. Hmm. And all that kind of like speaks a little bit about this card. Um, and mm-hmm. then there's another word that's very similar, but it means move forward power and by that it means that you're moving towards divine truth there's a lot of really neat mythology about eagles and the sun that really apply to this card
0: yeah that's reminding me of a line in um the orphic hymn to the sun which i know the greek for it but i'm not sure how to translate it which is bizarre because i'm like parroting this thing every day i don't even know what it means exactly but uh, I'll look it up in a second, but the line is Phosphorus Iolodecta, Feresbia Carpime Payan. Okay. So Phosphorus, of course, is light or Phosphorus. And then Iolodecta has, it has something to do with having many forms, many, many ways of showing yourself, um, many gifts. And then Carpime is giving life, life and fruit. So it's all about, you know, the power of the sun to Ripen the harvest and to give you the fruits of a day and to regulate your life by its um, by its life giving power like that. But there's something so moving about the way you know the way you drew the six of cups. The idea of that spirit at last let go of the you know the dross of the body and free to fly. Yeah, the joy of freedom. Yeah. Oh, practical applications. Do you get this one a lot? I do actually. I wish I did.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, like I said, I've got it for, you know, both the obvious good things and also seen it happen in, in death. Um, right. as a message, did mention like I've gotten this card when I needed to hear that the spirit was at peace, you know, right, and it's comforting to, when this card
0: comes up in, in that context. Myself, I don't get it very often, but I tend to get it. For self regulatory things. So, like, you know, when I'm doing a better job than usual at sort of making sure that there's some peace and pleasure in the day as well as cracking the whip. Right, right. <laughs> but also, uh, one kind of interesting thing that I got it for was, um, a day deep in this winter where I was, you know, we have really hard winters here in New England. And one of the things that happens is you get a hideously cold day when it's like minus 10 degrees out and you have to make sure your house doesn't fall apart. So I was on my own with Zoe one day cause the men were out on a trip and it was going to be the coldest night of the year. And I basically spent the whole night like tending the fire, getting up to make sure the wood stove was sure okay. the pipes don't Dripping freeze. the taps. <laughs> yeah. So it was like fire, water, fire, water, you know, constantly regulating things to make sure that we made it through the night. And, that was sort of a not-so-much-fun, but kind of appropriate application of this card. <laughs> a literal, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I think I've gotten this card, too, for days of just swimming. One of my favorite things to do is swimming in a lake. And I'm yeah. lucky enough to have a lake nearby that I can go to and swim at. And it's one of my m- most pleasurable things yeah. in my life is to – I love a hot day – where I can just bask in the sun I'm a sun
0: worshiper and <laughs>
1: and swim in the water it's, it's like perfect. my favorite thing to do you know
0: even better is like a dock or a raft where you can Yes, do and both, there right? is there's a dock
1: and a raft at the lake I go to both. And I just I'll sit on that dock from sunrise till sunset all day long. And and swim out to the raft and lay on that until you get hot again and swim again. And, then and just it's just dunk so much back in. pleasure, you know. I just that's right. It's I just, love that. It's
0: just right. I also have gotten this card um for literally, just like the Ryder Wade Smith card, uh, buying flowers to hang on my porch—it's <laughs> just super obvious. Uh, doesn't last for long, you know. Petunias—you only really have them for the summer, but it just makes things nice. Yeah, for it adds a touch a little of while. beauty and right. color. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Here we are—an hour and twenty minutes in. Let's, <laughs> uh, let's sum it up. Let's sum it up. Okay. So to summarize this card, uh, we've talked a lot about pleasure, of course. Um, but also alchemy mm. and transformations, mm. the solar twins and the alchemical marriage, the three forms of Scorpio transforming from the s- serpent to the scorpion to the eagle. The Fortunate Isles, or the Isles of the Blessed, and the Elysian Fields. Memory, nostalgia, and childhood. Uh, The fleeting nature of pleasure. Ah, yes. The Acheron
1: River, where souls are purified before being rewarded.
0: The Heart of the Sacrifice.
1: Goldilocks, and the perfect balance between not enough and too much. The Mutual Exchange. uh,
0: The Transaction
1: Completed story of Scorpius and Orion and Ophiicus in the sky and their eternal dance between light and darkness.
0: The double sun and emotional harmony. The Phrygian
1: cap of liberty and the ode to joy and freedom.
0: The unmoved mover or the consciousness, the connection between worlds and the consciousness that is shared across time, across spirit and across space. Yes, the uh, 20th hexagram
1: manifesting and contemplating and the intercourse of heaven and earth.
0: And the fulfillment of the sexual will.
1: (laughs) Right on. And moving forward, the power to move forward towards divine truth and divine protection. The sun glinting on the water. The golden bough. And the Rivers of crystal streams and flowers of gold.
0: All right. I think we did it. Okay. Well, enjoy it while it lasts. Carpe diem. Because we're moving on next week to the Seven of Cups.
1: Welcome to Fantasy Island.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what I hear in my head when I see Seven of Cups. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. And that's our show for today. You can find us, as always, at our online home, www.patreon.com slash fortuneswheelhouse. But there are also a number of other places you can find me and Mel on the internet. All of Mel's books and decks can be found at www.tarotcart.com. So that's your first stop if you want to find anything related to the Rosetta Tarot or the Tabula Mundi Tarot. That's also where you'll find the adorable new pocket-sized decks as well as signed and matted prints of her artwork. As for me, my book Tarot Correspondences, Ancient Secrets for Everyday Readers, is coming out from Llewellyn and is available for pre-order online at Amazon Book Depository and more. I also have a shop on Etsy where I sell the one and only trademarked Arcana case in lavish silks, brocades, and esoteric prints, as well as my Zodiac perfumes. Perfumes for the next month's sun signs are always on sale, so you can grab a birthday present right now for your favorite Gemini at the year's lowest price. All of that is at www.etsy.com tarotista. And if you'd like your very own Fortune's Wheelhouse t-shirt or tote bag or mug, we have those too. You can find them at our Redbubble shop. The address for that is redbubble.com people wheelhouse93 slash shop. Go on, get yourself something. You know you deserve it. Happy shopping to all you heroes of the astral plane. We so appreciate your support.